This is a photograph of my family taken several years ago. You can tell there's, there's one member that's not there. But that's my mom and dad, who you've met, my brother, um, my brother-in-law, Harold, Jenny, Kara, of course, Caleb and Susanna. And I'm showing you this photograph because I want to let you know that I love being a Bondi. I love it. You know, when we're together, we are loud and crazy. You know, we laugh easily. We eat heartily. And we never miss an opportunity to push the envelope. <coughs> Just ask my wife. One of my favorite stories is when we were on a, all on a road trip together. We couldn't figure out exactly where we were headed, but we had stopped at the gas station. And I was talking to my mom, and, and you know, we, we were pretty confident that Gracie was in that one-stall restaurant. And so being a Bondi, we decided to have a little fun. So I walked over to the door, and I banged really loud three times. And I said, hurry up, i got to go. And then I turned around. And there was Gracie in the store. <laughs> and so at that moment, when I realized that it was a total stranger in the, in the women's restroom, I did one thing and my mom did something totally different. I ran to the car and hid. Because I had visions of a burly husband, you know, pulverizing me. And my mom just stood there and laughed. And she laughed so hard that when the poor woman came out of the restroom, all she could say was, It's my son! It's my son! And this was all because I got some bad information from my mom. But that gives you an idea of, of a snapshot of the wild and crazy family that I'm a part of. And that I'm a proud to be a part of. You know, identity, it's important. You know, who you are determines what you do. You know, it also influences what you don't do. Now, when it, when it comes to us bondies, when we get together, there are certain things you can count on. We're going to have a good time. We're going to tell some jokes. But it also means something to us. And we have convictions, and there are things that we don't do. So identity is important. You know, identity can come from different sources. If you ask them the question, who are you? They might start by saying where they're from. They might talk about their alma mater where they went to school, their occupation, their children, their passions, their hobbies, their interests when describing themselves. So identity is important. Today we're going to begin a series, a three-part series called We Do Because of Who. The big thought that we will be discussing is how God has freely given us a new identity to inspire us both personally and corporately to be a force for good in this world. So, again, the big thought we're discussing is God has freely given you and he's given me a new identity. He's given us an identity to inspire us to both be both personally and corporately a force for good in this world. We're going to outline in these three messages how God has arranged things so we can all live the kind of lives that will be an appropriate response to the grace that we've each received. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We're just going to be dealing with 11 verses this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. Now in this letter, Paul is addressing people who are not Jewish by birth. They joined the church after God compelled Peter to first share the gospel with them, which you can find in Acts chapter 10. So beginning in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. As for you, therefore... Remember that formerly you were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves 
the circumcision. So there were people that were Jewish who were kind of looking down on these outsiders. That done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. So he says you were outsiders. These are Gentiles who know what it's like to be looked down, to be considered less than. Go ahead and bring up that first photograph. You know, when we first arrived in China, this is we hadn't been there for very long. You can see us, we had this double stroller, we'd go all over town in it. You know, we tried very hard to be likable. We tried very hard to be kind. You know, we took long walks, as you can see, sometimes several hours at a time. And we would take every relational opportunity we had. If anybody asked us to go do something, go somewhere, eat somewhere, our answer was always yes. And we tried really hard to connect with people. But it didn't take us very long to realize that until somebody invited us into their lives, our presence there in China didn't earn us anything. So we knew what it was like to be outsiders. And Paul was writing to people who knew what this was like. They were not only excluded, but they were looked down on by Jewish believers in Jesus. In fact, when Peter first was compelled by the Spirit of God to go share the good news with non-Jewish people, you know what the first thing he said was when he got in their presence? He said, now you guys know that according to the law, I shouldn't be here. Now I shouldn't associate with people like you. I mean, what a great icebreaker, huh, for Peter. <laughs> and what was he thinking? But that's the, the discrimination, the, the, um, the ethnic divide was so deep that that was the first thing he thought to share when moved by God to share the gospel. So Peter, Paul was writing to people who knew what this was like. He also says, you are without hope and without God. So the first question for you to consider this morning is, can you remember what it was like before? Can you remember what it was like before? You know, I remember it vividly at 17 years of age. You know, I had made some mistakes, and I had really no way to cope with the past. You know, I had really no, no tools to deal with the present that I was experiencing. I was without hope. And I was struggling. And I had no promise of a better future. But when I trusted Jesus as my Savior, I was delighted to find out that He helped me. He forgave he promised me a better future, and he gave me tools. He gave me help, assistance to deal with the present. So can you remember what it was like for you before? Back in that time in your life, before you had trusted Jesus, what was it like for you? And now you're getting a picture of what Paul's pointing out to these guys. Can you remember what it was like when you were excluded, when you were left out, when you were separate? So the big idea for today is that God inspires us with a new identity in Christ. You know, this is a huge first step in our growth. You know, when you finally know who you are, you can begin to make choices that are in alignment with that identity. So when I understood that I was no longer outside, I was no longer in sin, I was in Christ, you know, my, my choices changed. Not, not immediately, but over, you know, over a short amount of time, my friendships changed. My, my life trajectory changed. 
And so I ended up, you know, with a Bible college degree, with a beautiful family, and serving the Lord with an opportunity to be on the other side of the world. And all that changed because God gave me a new identity that I was in Christ. When you realize who God is and what he's done on your behalf, anything can happen. Anything can happen. So the second question for you this morning is, are you aware of your new identity? I mean, think about what he said as a family member. You're no longer excluded, but you're included. You're not foreigners, which we know very well, but you're citizens. So are you aware of your new identity? You belong to God. You are in Christ. I wanted to take just a couple of minutes this morning and give you an opportunity, based on your understanding of Scripture, what are some, some titles that God has gifted you and me? Tell me, who does, who does God say that you are because of Jesus? Child of God. What was that? Saved. Friend. Friend of God. A servant of God. Redeemed by God. Conquerors in Christ. Forgiven. Loved. Saved. And those are things that God's done for you and me that we couldn't have done for ourselves. So consider that identity and let it drive us. You know, when you know who you are, then you know what to do. You know who to be. So are you aware of your new identity? Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. So they were far from God, but they've been brought near. Has someone ever brought you near? Go bring up that next photograph. It's actually the next one. Yes. So when we moved, we've been living in China for a couple of years, and we decided to move to a southeast portion of the province, which is like a state. There in China, the name of the place was Wanshan. You know, when we got there, there was a registered church, because in China there's there's underground churches, there's above ground churches. And then of them there's two categories. This was a registered church. They were under the authority of the government. And so the church leaders who were local businessmen were real nervous about us. You know, we got there and they allowed us to attend. They had to have a meeting about that. Should, should we let these foreigners attend our church or not? And they did agree to let us attend, but boy, they kept their distance. But yet how? the red kind of shawl there was different. She was a local gal. She was so friendly. She was so kind. And we had many meals in her house with her mother there. And we were when we were Yetau, even though our skin color was different, our background was different, it was, sometimes it was challenging to communicate, but when we were with her, it was like we were with family. It's like she invited us into the church. She invited us into her home. You know, because of her kindness, communication was rarely an issue. She was so patient with us. And she generously invited us into many ministry opportunities, like the one in this photograph. She took us to a village to talk to these minority folks about Jesus. So have you ever been brought near? You know, this is what God has done for us through Christ. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves, and he brought us near. He closed the gap. Verse 14. For he himself is our peace, 
who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. It says Christ himself is our peace. He made the two one. He destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. You know, in my experience, there's two pathways to unity. One is kind of superficial. And it's just sameness, right? If you dress the same, talk the same, look the same, have the same background, the same culture, then you might call that unity. But it's superficial. But the kind of unity that Jesus wants to give us it, it's regardless of diversity. It's strong in diversity. It's unity in diversity. So there's two pathways to you. There's sameness, but the one that's deeper, the one that's lasting, the one that we've personally experienced even when we're far from home is Jesus. So what removes barriers and or hostility? It's when we display the kind of love that has been offered to us. Verse 15. By abolishing in this flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. See, the law was a dividing line for Jews and Gentiles. The Jews strictly adhered to the law. The Gentiles weren't all that interested in it strictly adhering to the law because it required surgery for them. It was a big deal. So the law was a dividing line. He abolished in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. You know, there was quite a bit of tension between Jews and Gentiles, as we've already described, because of their cultural differences. Jews looked down on Gentiles. But where religion and ethnicity divided, Christ united. You know, this past Tuesday, I experienced a love that transcends color. You know, I've been going out on Tuesday mornings with a group, um, four of them, in, into Tanglewood. And we've been reaching out to people, and, and we'll kind of walk up on folks and knock on doors and pray for people. And we're different. But we've gotten to be pretty good friends, and we've enjoyed fellowship in the Lord. Well, I found out that uh, Minister Ann's granddaughter had passed away. So when I found out the funeral arrangements, I, I, I decided to go ahead and be there. So I went to Good Hope Baptist Church up there in the middle of Good Hope. And it was packed out. And I was told it started at 2 and it started at 1. And so I showed up there and I ended up standing in the back corner, kind of butted up against the bathroom. I couldn't really see what was going on. And I, and I, I kind of stood out like a sore thumb. You know, I, I was very different from the folks that were there. And their service time was a lot longer than a service that I would have attended. And so I began to feel uncomfortable. You know, I just thought, I don't know, I, I don't know them that way. Maybe this was a mistake. I, I don't fit here. I don't belong here. Maybe I should just leave. But the Lord just prompted me to stay. And so I did. I stayed, you know, for an additional hour. But then when the service let out and I'm standing in the parking lot, Elder Mary, who I've gotten close to, she spied me. And she immediately came over and gave, and gave me a big hug. And she began introducing me to people. And then I saw my friend Rod. And then I saw Pastor Larry Bird, the, the other Larry Bird. And, um, and then Mary was so funny, she took me up to this elderly um, black pastor. And she introduced me and said, this, this is David. This is my husband. <laughs> She's just so funny. And then she took me over to Minister Ann. And that was, that was my, the best part. I mean, she, her face visibly brightened. She was so grateful that I had come to share in that 
a difficult time with her family. And God just impressed upon me through my experiences with them and through that experience of Tuesday that in Christ, we have a bond, we have a unity that's deeper than skin color. And it's been made possible because of Christ in the same way that he brought Jews and Gentiles, slave and free, men and women together, religious hierarchy and the lowest of the low together. He's done that. He's made that possible for us. So this third question this morning is, are you united with God and your fellow Christians? What's this like for you? Are there certain folks, maybe skin color, maybe denomination, Maybe socioeconomic class that you're a little bit uncomfortable around. But in Christ, he's, divide, he's destroyed the division. He's made it possible for us to be close, for us to be united. So here's an action step for you. Determine someone who is different from you in your life that you believe God is leading you to take a step toward. Write it down. Who would that be? Somebody at the store, somebody at work, somebody in your neighborhood, somebody you probably naturally kind of withdraw from. Who is it that God's asking you to reach out to this week? Verse 17 and 18. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Now that's difficult for us to imagine how powerful this statement is because we don't have the context, but I'm going to give it to you. You know, in the temple, which was the center of, of religion and Judaism in Jerusalem, if you tried to approach God improperly, it could be a fatal mistake. You know, legend has it that there, the priest, there was one priest who would go into the inner place in the temple once a year and offer offerings to God. And legend has it they would attach a rope and a jingling bell to the priest. So when he went into the Holy of Holies and he did his responsibility before the Lord, if he made a mistake and that bell stopped jingling, and they had to kind of start yanking on that rope because nobody else was allowed to go in for fear of their own lives. And they realized when that bell stopped jingling, the only way the priest is coming out is feet first. So approaching God was a big, big, but what Paul's saying here is amazing. We have direct access to the Father because of Christ. And it's like we've been given the ultimate backstage pass. So the last question this morning is, do you take advantage of this unprecedented access? You know, it's easy to take it for granted that, you know, from, from a young age I've been taught I can talk directly to God. I don't need to talk through my mom. I don't need to necessarily talk through a religious person. I mean, we're taught as children to just talk to God, tell Him how you feel, tell Him what you think. And this was, this was unprecedented. This was amazing at that time. So an action step for you this week. Decide on a way you can take advantage of the access you have to the Father through Christ this week. Because every day when you and I are going through life and we're struggling and we're, when we meet challenges, we have an opportunity to talk directly to, to the God of the so what's a step this week you can do to take advantage of that access? And then finishing up with verses 19 through 22. 
Consequently, he's talking about identity, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. No longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens and members. We are in the process of being built together to become a residence. You know, recently I was riding around with Jack Crow. And Jack Crow, I mean, if you ride along just about any street, any road in Walton County, he can start pointing out who lives where. So we were riding along Bold Springs and house after house, he's just saying, oh, this person lives there, and that person lives there, and this person lives there. And here's a little bit of the history, so. But when we see a home, we naturally associate the property with its resident, right? We don't think of it as, oh, there's a house. We think of that as, that's Jack's house, or that's Jamie's house, or that's Jay's house. And so this gives us an idea, a glimpse of what God is up to. As I was studying this passage of Scripture this week, I got excited, because what he wants to do first is he wants to give you and me a solid identity in Christ. This is the first step. So do you know that? Do you know who you are? Do you know whose you are? Because that's foundational, isn't it? When you think about people that they're just kind of lost in life, not just spiritually, you can see it in their eyes that just nobody's told them. Nobody's told them who they are. But God has told you, he's told me who we are and whose we are. And once we have that identity, he wants to use this as a springboard to experiencing reconciliation and brotherhood with other believers through Christ. Because if I'm grounded in who I am in Christ, then I'm, it's much easier for me to accept you just as you are, just as the way God's made and accept who you are in Christ. And I can actually begin to love my neighbor as Jesus commanded. And then finally, he wants us to take advantage of the unprecedented access he has provided at great personal cost, that he might begin to move us as a group of individuals united by our matchless Savior. So in other words, God didn't just save you from something. He saved you for something. But it's easy to, for us to think that our faith is all about us, right? God help me. God, lead me. God, bless me. God, save me. God, come on. I need some help. But God has a plan that's much bigger than just you and me. When he's given us an identity so that we can be reconciled to each other, so that we can be moved together by him. God is building something. He's building a residence. Today, we're like a residence for God. He's building a network of Christians that is joined by a bond that is deeper than skin color. And potentially, like we've experienced, it's thicker than blood. Don't bring up that last photograph. We got really close to Brother Jew. That salmon is, he's such an interesting guy. I mean, not with a particular denomination, but he, he decided to wear a robe, you know, when he's doing baptism. Sometimes when he's preaching, he puts on kind of the, the cleric's collar, just when he's walking around the town. But we got to be really close with him. And, uh, and with his uh, church members, we did a lot of ministry together. But one of the things I'll never forget was when her parents came to visit us. 
And this is so typical Jew. You know, that's what we call him, Brother Jew. Um, he had us over to the house. And he fixed this big dinner himself. He did all the cooking. And uh, we had a great time fellowshipping with her parents. And then he, he, you know, he found out that Rick likes to play guitar. And so Rick got the guitar out. And we were playing and singing and fellowshipping. But again, with Jew, it's like he didn't see the differences. Because we were both in Christ. There was no dividing wall. There was no, I'm better than you, you're better than me. None of that. It was just like we were family. And I'll tell you what, when you experience that with another Christian, when on the outside, you're very different. The words you speak, the language you speak is different. But what Jesus has done is he's provided for us to have close relationships, bonds that are deeper than skin. This is getting closer to what I believe God intended. We will recognize both what God has done for us, giving us an identity. If we'll pursue unity with God and each other, and we'll take daily advantage of the unprecedented access he has provided us to himself, then we'll be ready to become the body, to become the household, to become the residence that God envisioned when he sent Jesus to the cross. Because Jesus' death and resurrection wasn't just about you. It wasn't just about me. When he sent Jesus to the cross, he envisioned us. He envisioned a body that would be moved by him, that would be a, a residence in the world that would proclaim who he is and would invite people to participate. So what about you today? Are you aware of your identity? And I understand, I mean, there's times when I struggle. There's times when I don't feel very important. I don't feel very special. Or I make mistakes. But are, do you believe what God says about you? The things that we've said today, that you're forgiven, that you're loved, that you belong, that you're no longer excluded, but you're included. Do you believe that? Secondly, are you united with God and your fellow Christians? Do you recognize it's not just about you, that it's about us? Are you willing, are you open to engaging people that are different from you? And sometimes we Christians are, are, can be the most guilty. Because, you know, we, I go to this church and they go to that church. And we just don't get together. But are you willing? Are you united? And then do you take advantage of the unprecedented access, you know? Those people, they would have never dreamed going into the temple. Some people weren't even allowed in the temple courtyard at all. Some people were only allowed in so far. But only one person once a year was allowed in directly with God. And they were nervous about it. <laughs> they weren't looking forward to it necessarily. It was an honor, but it was scary. But now we have direct access to God. Are you taking advantage of that? You know, what if we were fully aware of our identity? What if we were united with God and each other? And what if we took daily advantage of this unprecedented access? How might God use the body that he sent his son to die for, to inaugurate. How might he use us to make a difference? Pray. God, thank you for today, and thank you that you have given us a new identity. That we didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve to be called children. We didn't deserve to be included. What we deserved was hell and condemnation. You've given us something completely different. You've done something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. 
And God, may we build upon that identity you've given us by reaching out to one another, reaching out to other believers who are different from us, maybe from different countries, and let's experience the truth that Christ has destroyed the dividing wall of hostility so that we could be united with you, God, and each other. And God, may we take advantage of that access we have to you. That when we need your help, when we need your guidance, when we need your input, God, you're available. And you're just waiting for us to ask. You're waiting for us to invite you in so that you can make things better. So that you can take our messes, God, and you can fix things. So that you can take our, our struggles, God, and you can turn them into learning opportunities. And ways that we can be used by you to make your name great. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name.